Thank you, Lord Jesus. You do reign above it all. There is no name higher than your name. So this morning, Lord, we haven't come to play or do church. We've come to meet with you. Because you are King of Kings, Lord of Lords, above every sickness, every broken relationship. You reign above it all. We declare that our hearts align with that word we've just sung this morning. You reign above it all. And we thank you, Jesus. We declare it today. Thank you, God. Amen. Well, hello. Good morning. How are you all? Why don't you give someone a high five and grab a seat? slap of the high five. Well, I've just got to start with this, just a quick sports report. Yeah, I have to do it. I have to do it because do we have any Roosters fans in the crowd? Yay! Woo, woo, woo! How exciting was it? Our commiserations to, sorry, Curdie and the Burnses, but it's only football. Could have gone either way. Thankfully, I don't... um, Chew my nails, otherwise I wouldn't have had any left. And congratulations to the Panthers as well, to the Panthers fans. I said I'd be um, egalitarian this morning. So the title of my message this morning is Listen Up. Everyone say, listen up. Spring has sprung, has been uh, alluded to. I'm not going to say the whole poem. I love spring. Who else loves it? I don't love the hay fever, my face, my throat. Um, My garden has exploded. We've got magnolias, except for those that the possums have eaten. Uh, Jasmine, azaleas, camellias, freesias. The place is alive. The trees are in blossom. The bulbs are starting to flower. The sun feels warmer, except for this morning. How cold was it? It was freezing. The days are longer. We're feeling like opening up our houses and letting the cool, fresh spring breeze in. Maybe you're feeling like going for an early morning jog. Who's a jogger here? Maybe some of you have been hitting the gym, not too hard. So what better time to think about spring cleaning other areas, such as relationships? So over these next three weeks, we're going to be looking at healthy relationships. Everyone say healthy relationships. I'm excited for next Saturday. Are you excited for next Saturday? It's going to be good. So today we're going to look at how do we ensure that our relationships with others are healthy? So I'm going to start with the basics. This is very fundamental. Um, Perhaps it's something I've I've mentioned before. But it's really key to healthy relationships. My first thought is this, link up with Jesus. It's pretty basic, isn't it? But if we really desire healthy relationships, we have to be linked with Jesus. John 15 reminds us that Jesus is the vine... We are the branches. So as we stay connected with him, his love, his life, his health flows to us, right? And it flows through us to others. That's a beautiful thing. We get to be a conduit of healthy relationships with others as his life, his love, his health flows through us to others. So John 15, 4 says this. This is Jesus' words. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. 
So when we remain in Christ, we keep the door of our hearts open. That's a moment-by-moment thing. We can open the door to Holy Spirit, right? And then we can close it just as quick as that. But if we want to be fruitful, and I don't know about you, I'm sure you're the same. If ever there was something I really wanted to be fruitful in right now, it's relationships. So let's try to illustrate how this works, this abiding in Christ. uh, In every life, in everyday relationships. So I'm going to ask Steve to join us, give him a bit of a welcome. (laughs) A wolf whistle. This is my other half, Stevie, my better half. Um, He has to put up with me every day, so pray for him. So come on over here, Stevie. Come on over here. (laughs) He's doing as he's told. So I want you to imagine this morning that Steve is Jesus. He kind of looks a bit like Jesus, maybe, maybe a slightly older version. (laughs) so Jesus says in John 15 he's the vine we are the branches right so if we remain connected with Jesus I know how how romantic (laughs) I know this is an illustration guys it's not it's not romance okay (laughs) Steve is Jesus if we remain connected with Jesus if we allow his life his love to flow through us our relationships will be healthy. If we break hold, try and do it ourselves, we're in big trouble, right? So let's talk about relationships, say, at work. You know how sometimes you might have that one person who really grinds your gears? Maybe they're the person who parks in your car space, your favourite space. Maybe they're the one that heats the curry in the microwave and explodes everyone they don't clean it up. And you think, another day with that person, I can't do it. Guess what? By yourself, you probably can't. But if we're linked with Jesus, right... His peace, all the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, the one that we need sometimes, then we can do it, right? How about in our marriage? Basically, if we try and do it without God, it's uh, pretty messy. In the mornings, I open the pantry door. Steve's been in there before, Chris is laughing. There's things just everywhere. Now, if I, am, if I start the day like this and I'm not linked to Jesus, it's not a great way to start the day, right? <laughs> I'm a neat freak. Stevie is not. But if I link with Jesus, then I'm like, it's okay. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where the tea bags are. They're up here, down there. It doesn't matter. <laughs> if I link with Jesus, it's all good. <laughs> Of course, if we gave the microphone to Steve, um, he could tell you all the annoying things that I do, but unfortunately, we don't have time for that today. <laughs> what a shame. We need God in our marriages, right? We, Steve and I have a, a uh, Russian wedding ring, which has three rings, yellow gold, white gold, rose gold, and they represent the three people in our marriage. So before you get excited about that, that's Steve, me, and God. <laughs> Without God, it doesn't work, right? Steve, Steve needs God more than I do in our marriage, yeah. probably. How about in our extended family? There might be someone in your extended family you have to see every Christmas and you think it's that cousin, that uncle who always says the wrong thing. We try and break hold with Jesus, try and work it out ourselves. We're probably going to say something we shouldn't say, right? 
But with Jesus flowing through us, we can forgive, we can love, we can offer peace, we can love that person, even, we feel, even if we feel like we can't, because Jesus can love us and then love them and work through us. Isn't that right? Why don't you give Steve a hand? <clears throat> He's the better half of the two of us. So the most clear and simple way to, to stay connected with Jesus is simply by prayer, isn't it? It's a 24-7 live satellite link up with God. We connect with Jesus so he can help us to connect with others. So my first point, really simple, is link up with Jesus. And my second point, and this is the one I really want to focus on, is listen up. Everyone say listen up. How many relationships would be radically changed if we just learnt to listen, right? To really, really listen how many relationships would be radically changed if we learned to listen to one another rather than speaking over the top of each other, waiting till they stop so we can say the next thing? Here's an example of someone who is not listening. Watch the screens. They can listen to me, listen to me. Like, like I do this all the time and if I go out at the, at the house with the door, that has his toy. And then Matthew has all his toys. Okay, but I have to yell at you guys. Okay, what? Like everything they do at this house, they can trust everything at Grandma's house. Okay. Okay, then what? Then you're not listening to me. Then you're not listening to me. I asked you not to do something. No, no, but listen to me. Look at if we do something, if you get that out, that birthday off, you're gonna break it. Okay, but I'm asking. I'm letting you know but that you cannot. No, I'm. You're not listening to me. Linda, listen to me now. Listen to me now. Listen to me. No, you're not listening. I said no cupcakes, and you try to get cupcakes, and you try to ask grandma. I love that little guy. He'll make a great lawyer one day, right? <laughs> Actually, when I feel like I need a good laugh, I put that video on. You've probably seen it a hundred times. I was thinking about this yesterday, though. Sometimes we're like that with God, aren't we? We're telling him what to do. He's trying to tell us. And we're saying, no, listen, God, listen. Anyway, there's a great example. of Anyone who's had toddlers, you know, I'm not looking around at anyone. Uh, that that's exactly what they can be like. But that's what we can be like, right? Someone's trying to talk and we're not listening. The Bible has a lot to say about the importance of listening. Probably the greatest verse is from James, James 1.19. We've just looked at James. In the Amplified, it says this, Understand this, my beloved brothers and sisters. Let everyone be quick to hear, be a careful, thoughtful listener, slow to speak, a speaker of carefully chosen words and slow to anger, patient, reflective, forgiving. I love that. How about the message? I want you to imagine this scenario as a cartoon. If you're a very visual thinker, which I am, I see it as a cartoon. James 1.19, he says this in the message, post this at all the intersections, dear friends. Lead with your ears, follow up with your tongue, and let anger straggle along in the rear. How good is that? I see a set of ears walking along the pavement. 
the tongue sliding behind, and then anger kind of struggling along at the rear. The point is, if we, if we learn to listen first, right, then activate the tongue second, and maybe let anger just sit in the rear. Let it come up slowly. Proverbs 18.15 in the message says this, Wise men and women are always learning, always listening for fresh insight. Steve and I have been married for 31 years. That's why I said pray for him. Um, but when, when we run into trouble, it's normally because one of us isn't listening. We always need to be listening for fresh insight. So you've probably all heard of the concept of active listening. Have you all heard of that? If you've done Prepare, Enrich with me or with somebody, if you've done any sort of counselling, training or counselling, if you've trained as a chaplain, you'll know about the power of active listening. But I want to take us a step further today and I want to talk about incarnational listening. So this great book, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship by Peter Scazzaro, I highly recommend it, talks a lot about incarnational listening. So reading from the book... Peter Scazzaro says this. In 1914, a well-known German-Jewish theologian, Martin Buber, had a visit from a young man. Not long after that meeting, Martin learnt from one of his friends that this young man had very sadly taken his life. Tragic. The young man had come to him not casually, but with a specific purpose in mind and with specific questions. Whilst Martin could never be held responsible, obviously, for the decision of the young man, he realised that he had failed to be fully present to him. Peter Scazzaro says, Martin was so preoccupied by his own experience with God earlier that morning that he had failed to bring the full resource of his attention to their conversation. He did not turn to the young man with his whole being. Instead of genuinely listening, he brought the equivalent of leftovers, a courteous but partial engagement. Wow. Martin realised at that point in his life that it is possible to have a faith that can move mountains, but that such a faith is worth nothing without a deeply present love for people. Wow, he laughed. So I can certainly relate to that and I'm sure you can as well. We've probably all done that. We've probably all been distracted or preoccupied when we've been speaking with people. We can be going to a cafe to meet someone and we're um, distracted by everything that's going on or maybe we're thinking, thank goodness I've got a car park. Maybe you're reading your kids a bedtime story but you're kind of debriefing about how hard the day was. Our spouse can come home and we can ask, how was your day? but we can be on our phone. I know I've done that plenty of times with Stevie. It's easy to be distracted, isn't it? But Peter Scazzaro says this, we cannot say that we love God and yet not love people and be fully present with them. Wow. So what is incarnational listening? Let's talk about this. Put simply, it's listening with the heart of Jesus. So how did Jesus listen? He listened intentionally and attentively. He says in Luke 8, 18, be careful how you listen. Be careful how you listen. 
So I'm going to ask you this question and I'm asking myself this at the same time. How good a listener are you? Do you actually listen? When things get tough, do you listen more or do you talk more? Listening is incarnational. Listening is how we enter another person's world. I love that. So you think about it, just like Jesus' earthly ministry, it began when he came right from heaven to earth. That was his incarnation. We also enter another's world and we have the incredible privilege of entering it when we listen. So incarnational listening can actually bring wholeness into broken relationships. In fact, so often when a relationship is broken, if the two people or however many there are in the relationship can just stop and listen, it's, it goes a long way to solving it, doesn't it? When we seek to understand the other, to enter into their world, to listen with the heart of Jesus. So consider the results of the fall way back. We go back to Genesis 3, Eve and Adam, all of the things that happened in the garden. These are some of the results of the fall. It affects relationships. Defensiveness, isolation, shifting of blame. The Adam blamed Eve, Eve blamed the snake. Fear, all of a sudden they were afraid of God. They hid themselves. All because of that, that fall, all because of the sin. Absorption with self, low self-awareness. Reactivity, overreacting, not taking responsibility. Dishonesty, they kind of both sort of lied. They weren't honest about their own part in the sin. So here's the good news. What was destroyed in the Garden of Eden was restored in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus says yes to going to the cross. So it's not bad news, it's good news. The point is, we need to, as I was talking about earlier, abide in Christ. We need to connect with him. Let him show us how to do healthy relationships. That's why incarnational listening is so powerful. So it's easy for us in a conversation, isn't it? to treat somebody as an object or a means to an end, right? We've probably all done that, especially in our desire to achieve our own goals or agenda or as an extension of ourselves. In this sense, we can treat people as an it rather than a person, right? The choice is we can either do that or we can relate to them as holy and sacred, created in the image of God, Every person that you speak to today, whether they know it or not, is created in the image of God. They are holy and sacred. David Benner says this in his book, Soulful Spirituality. He suggests that there are three powerful questions that we can ask of ourselves when communicating with others. And I found these three questions really helpful when I, when I go to meet with someone I try to remember to pray these things, that I might do this. Practicing these skills gives us the incredible privilege of being Jesus with skin on to the people that we meet. Because God knew we needed Jesus. We needed God with skin on. That's why he sent Jesus. It helps us to be fully present 
unrushed and undistracted. So here's the three questions that are helpful for being a better listener. The first one is, am I fully present or distracted? That's a big one. Am I loving or judging? Am I open or closed to being changed? So let's unpack these a little bit. First of all, am I fully present or distracted? How wonderful is it when you sit with someone and they actually hear you, right? They understand you, they get you. Um, I remember when Steve and I, it was before we were dating, but Steve had asked me out, left him hanging for four weeks. Um, But he said something that probably helped me to say yes. My flatmate had gone overseas to do the um, European backpack thing and I really missed her. And, And Steve just said something that showed that he had empathy that he understood that he got the the sadness I felt when my best friend went overseas. He showed that he truly cared. So when we show that we really care, we need to be present with people, right? We bring healing when we are present with people. We bring the presence of Christ into the situation. It's a hard era to do that in terms of distraction, isn't it? Huge technological advances. We've usually got a smartphone in our hands or in our back pocket that's pinging all the time. I find when I meet with people, I have to put that thing on silent, put it in my handbag, put it face down on the table. Because when I meet with people, I want to be fully present with them. I don't want to be distracted by the stuff that that phone's going to tell me. So am I fully present or distracted? Am I loving or judging? This is a big one, right? Here's the problem. When people outside the church describe Christians, one of the first words they use is judgmental. Ouch. And they're right. We can judge our spouses for doing things differently. Sometimes I say to Steve, you're not doing it right. And he says, it's not that I'm not doing it right. I'm just doing it differently. We can judge our close friends when they have different political views to us. We can judge people who are older than us or younger than us because of the choices that they make and so on and so on, right? But here's the thing. When we judge people, what we mean is that we turn our differences into virtues of moral superiority, right? When I love someone, I sit beside them. When I judge them, I'm sitting above them. We categorise people and we diminish their humanity. I've been there, I've done that, and I'm sure you have too. So, depending on your temperament and your upbringing, you may have a very hard time sitting and listening to people whose opinions differ to yours. I know I grew up in a pretty self-opinionated, somewhat judgmental family of origin. And so when I got saved, I had to make this choice. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to judge people. Who am I to judge them? I'm as much a sinner as them. I don't have the right to do that. So sometimes our family of origin can affect us. It's never our role to judge another. Peter Scazzaro rightly says this in his book. When we judge, we treat people as objects. Wow. Only God, with a knowledge infinitely greater than ours, has the right and the wisdom to judge another person. 
So here's the thing for you. What if instead of judging, we approached people with curiosity questions? What if instead of judging someone for their behaviour, you know, you're at a party and you're like, whoa, what's up with that guy? What if we were willing to ask curiosity questions instead? Questions like, I wonder how that person came to that thought or that conclusion. Or I wonder what happened in that person's life that influenced them before I met them. I encourage you this week, instead of jumping to conclusions as Christians can do, what if you approached that person and you're thinking about them with curiosity questions rather than judgment, especially when we disagree with people? Here's the thing, we all need a theology of acceptance. I learned about this in Abiding Life. Paul says in Romans 15, 7, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Jesus accepted you. <laughs> what makes you think you shouldn't accept another? Ooh. Paul implores us here to accept one another. Here's the thing, we, we confuse acceptance with agreement, right? The two are very, very different. As a Christian, I draw a circle around myself. I accept you. I invite you in. I'm going to be different to you. I'm not going to agree with everything that you believe. I'm not going to support the same football team, except for the Roosters fans, wherever they were. I'm probably not going to perhaps vote the same way, maybe. But that doesn't matter, because acceptance and agreement are not the same thing. We must accept people, even if we disagree. And then the third question that's good to ask is, am I open or closed to being changed? Here comes the deal breaker for so many. Why should I change when I know the other person is wrong, right? Anyone ever thought that, or is it just me? How about this thought, though, when we talk to someone? What if we come to that conversation with a posture of openness, knowing that this person is also a unique image bearer of God. What if we approached every conversation humbly with, what can I learn from this? How can I be changed by this person, even if we disagree with them? Differentness makes us uncomfortable. And so we truly believe that others and not ourselves need to change. So they're the three questions that help us to be better listeners. And I want to finish by talking about the dynamics we need to understand when listening with the heart of Jesus, when practising incarnational listening. So Jesus is our model, right? He is God with skin on. When you enter a conversation with someone, you carry Christ in you. You carry that God with skin on into that conversation. What an amazing privilege that is to practise that incarnational life and faith with another. So here's the three dynamics which Jesus modelled in incarnational listening. I love this. We enter another's world, we hold on to ourselves and we live in the tension between these two worlds. So all three of these dynamics happen exactly the same time, though they're distinct. So let's take a, a few minutes to look at these. We enter another's world. I love what theologian David Olsberger says about this. He says, I love this quote. 
being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they're almost indistinguishable. I'm going to read that again. Being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they're almost indistinguishable. Isn't that amazing? You know how when people hear you, you're like, you feel loved. You feel understood. So important. So I want to ask you, what did you learn from your family of origin about listening? Were conversations more like Friday night at the pub with everyone yelling over the top of one another? Or were they like a courtroom with everybody defending themselves and passing judgment? Jesus enters another's world. Jesus shows us how to listen. He is fully present. He was fully present with the prostitute, with Nicodemus, with the blind man, with Bartimaeus, with the Samaritan woman. He took time to listen to these people. He honoured their separateness and uniqueness. When we're practising entering another's world, we're also thinking about the non-verbals, you know, tone of voice, body language, eye contact, facial expressions. We're aiming to do holistic listening to ensure that they feel felt. Incarnational listening means actually listening, not interrupting using I statements, stepping into another's shoes, reflecting back what they've said, making sure we understand what was most important. And here are a few things that incarnational listening is not. It doesn't mean we're agreeing, as we've already said. It doesn't mean we're trying to find a solution. We're just listening. So that's the first dynamic. We enter another's world the second is we hold on to ourselves. This is probably the most challenging one of all because it requires maturity and differentiation. But I love the fact that Jesus modelled this so beautifully, right? He knew who he was and he knew whose he was. He was always so true to self. Think about it. Jesus disappointed so many people. But it didn't matter because he knew who he was. He knew whose he was. He disappointed his family, his disciples, the religious leaders, even the crowd. But he was secure. Secure in his boundaries. Secure in his father's love. He knew what he was called to do. He held on to himself as he loved those around him. I love that thought. And so he brought peace into an anxious world. You know, sometimes some of us are afraid to hold on to ourselves. So we become like chameleons. We're afraid to speak forth our viewpoint or be different. And so we blend in. And in that way, we lose ourselves. Or maybe like me, you're an extreme empath. You feel people's pain. But in that, sometimes we can overstep the boundaries and lose ourselves in the process. We can even forget that we have a self to lose. So all of this relates to healthy boundaries. And then the third dynamic is we live in the tension between those two worlds. So we incarnate love by moving into the world of another. That's dynamic one. We remain faithful by holding on to ourselves. That's dynamic two. And then we do the difficult work of living in the tension between those two worlds, between my world 
and the world of another. And that happens when we listen deeply to another, even when we don't agree. We listen without reacting, without growing impatient, without becoming defensive. Consider what Jesus did. He lived in the tension between those two worlds the whole time he was on the earth. He left heaven, all the perfection and peace of heaven, and he came to the earth where he was consistently misunderstood and persecuted. And then he literally hangs on the cross between heaven and earth. Thankfully, you and I will never have to do that, hopefully. But if we want to live incarnationally, we must embrace our own cross, right? Jesus talks about that. And that involves death to self. It might mean being uncomfortable in hanging that tension between your world and their world. It might mean just time and energy. It costs us time and energy. I've been thinking a lot about those three dynamics. When I meet with someone, I want to enter into their world. I'm learning better how to hold on to myself, hold on to who I am in the midst of that. I think as we get older, our boundaries get more firm. We have a more secure idea of who we are, our responsibilities. And then here's the hard one from a pastoral point of view to live. This is the hardest for me to live in the tension between those two worlds. I had to learn really early. I can't fix anybody. Jesus is the fixer, right? I can't fix anybody. So it hurts sometimes to see people in pain and not be able to fix them. But that's where Holy Spirit comes in. I'm not the Holy Spirit, neither are you. So we live in the tension between those two. So summing up, link up with Jesus. He's the vine, right? We're the branches. Without him, we can't do relationships well. We need him moment by moment. And number two, listen up. Learn the art of incarnational listening. Listening with the heart of Jesus. Being fully present, not distracted. Loving, not judging. Being open to being changed. This morning, I would really love to give you an opportunity to respond as we pray for you. Particularly for broken relationships. You know, sometimes... We've done all that we can do. The Bible says, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with everyone. We've done all that we can do to try and mend a relationship. And we really need a miracle. And I can tell you that that is possible. I've seen that in my extended family. If you've done everything, but it's still not working, guess what? God is still working, right? Nothing is impossible for God so I would just love everyone to close their eyes. And if you have broken relationships, it could be with children, it could be with um, extended family, it might be a workmate, it could be a spouse, it could be a parent, it could be a best friend, you were friends and now something's gone sour and you're not. I want to encourage you that God is not finished. He's never finished. Never. Jesus' last words on the cross where it is finished. He did everything 
his father asked him to do. But God isn't finished. He's still working. And I would love, if you have a relationship like that and you need a touch of God, you need a miracle, I would love you to be brave enough just to put your hand up. I will see you. No one else is looking around. But this is really about God. It's about what God wants to do. It's the work he wants to do. You're doing business with God. So if that's you, I would love you to put your hand up. I'm going to close my eyes because it's not about me. And I would love you as a declaration of faith just to reach out to God right now. And even if you haven't got your hand up, because I know some people don't. You're agreeing in your heart. God sees your heart. So, Lord, I just lift up every person who's here this morning, Lord God. Thank you that relationships are sacred to you. Thank you, Lord God, that every relationship we have, we get to bring Jesus, Christ in us, into that relationship, God with skin on. So, Lord, I pray for relationships in general, first of all. Lord, help us this week to be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry and abounding in love. Help us this week to really listen, to be present, not to judge, to be willing to change, to to be open to what you might want to do, Holy Spirit. And Lord, I especially pray for any person this morning who needs a miracle in broken relationships, whether it's with their spouse, spouse, whether it's with friends, whether it's with a child. Lord, I thank you that you can do the impossible. You're in, in the business of doing the impossible. Nothing is impossible for you, Lord God. So we declare that. I pray for miracles in relationships this morning. Thank you, Lord. You did everything, everything on the cross to, to bring us back to you, to restore our relationship with you and to restore relationships. And you call us to be ministers of reconciliation. So, Lord, we pray reconciliation in these, in these relationships. Holy God, would you do what only you can do? Thank you, Lord. You are love. You love us more than words could ever express. We thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Bless every person here today. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I pray you guys will be blessed. Why don't you stand and we're going to worship together.